podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast for what could have been the last time in the 2018-2019 season, but we're not done just yet. The Rams have extended their season beyond the final day with that magnificent, gutsy, nail-biting win over top six rivals West Brom, meaning it's a fourth playoff campaign in six years in Frank Lampard's first ever season as a manager. I'm Richard Kutcher. Chris Parsons is still sadly absent. He'll be back, I'm sure, for the second leg. But joining me to revel in that glorious last day win is Tom Martin. With Derby County, it's happening again. Playoffs once more. Good Lord, it is happening again. As well as looking back on that impressive finish to the campaign, four wins from our last six and just one defeat in our last 12, we'll be looking forward to that mouth-watering playoff clash against Leeds. How did Derby better a side that outplayed us twice in the regular season? Tom, with 65 minutes gone and Derby having been pegged back to 1-1 and Middlesbrough winning, be honest, did you think we were going to do it? The atmosphere was fairly flat where I was watching it and I felt that we were going to struggle to break them down. We uh, we started to pass the ball around but not really have any creativity uh, and we didn't look like we were going to really trouble them. A couple of long-distance efforts, I think one from Mount, which was tipped just wide. Um, but I thought at the time, 65 minutes gone, I was like, no chance at the moment. That sort of negative feeling was starting to get in there. There's a bit of edginess from the crowd. We'll, we'll come on to it in a bit more detail in a second, but I did think that we didn't respond great to the equaliser and of course it was naturally a bit flat with Millsborough winning 2-0 as well and I was watching it with my dad and my dad hasn't seen much of the Rams this season and he said that he thought Derby were just playing it about at the back too much which of course is, is a common complaint but I did I could kind of see that West Brom weren't really pressing high they weren't really going for us and we were playing it around at the back but we were getting the ball forward and, and obviously the chances did come so uh, Tom time for our social media plug yeah of course you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod and on Instagram at Steve Bloomer's Washing, and then you can also find us on Facebook. And if you want to get in contact, then you can email us on stevebloomerswashing at gmail.com, and please visit stevebloomerswashing.com. So, into the West Brom game, Tom. Um, another assist for Bogle. Let's get straight into that amazing assist. Great cross for Wagon's opener. Cross of the season? Oh, yeah, it was a beauty, wasn't it? Down the wing, ball into the box. Waghorn just leaps with perfect sort of timing, having moved from the centre half uh, and, and buries it into the bottom corner. Um, great ball in from Bogle, and he's looking so good at the moment. He's getting the ball out his feet quicker, isn't he? He's getting the crosses in. Earlier in the season, we were kind of the main complaint. He was trying to beat too many men. He wasn't getting the ball into the box quick enough. And now he's doing that. He's got a hell of a cross on him. Yeah, um, you can see that from the the sort of recent games we've had. He's scored a couple getting forward. Uh, he's set it up, I think, four or five in the last seven games. Um, and he just looks, it's a real outlet to have. So many times that the uh, West Brom was shuffling across to sort of deal with the threat on the left-hand side coming from Lawrence. Um, and Derby rotated the ball or recycled the ball a lot better than normal, um, getting the ball into the middle and then out. And there was loads of space for Bogle. And he absolutely is loving that space at the moment. Yeah, and the commentators picked up on it early on in the match and it was definitely there to see that West Brom's 
uh, attacking wide players just weren't trapping weren't tracking back and it just gave it gave Bogle particularly and Malone as well so much space to get their balls into the box and, you know we've conceded enough goals from balls into the box and we've conceded enough goals into the box this season it's nice to kind of turn the tables a bit but the, the header from Waghorn as well just proved that he is a real threat in the air yeah totally and we've seen that a few times this season but I don't think Derby have shown that enough over the over the past year um Wagon's a big guy. Um, he's not necessarily sort of six foot four, um, sort of big guy, but he's a big, powerful lad, and he should be winning a lot more of those balls in the air. Uh, and when the ball comes into the box from Bogle, it's so good that he he just needs to redirect it. Um, it reminded me of a similar goal, uh, not from Waghorn but from Marriott at Wigan away, mm, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it was Bogle that put that cross in as well. Marriott just sort of guided it into the bottom corner, slightly different angle, but similar sort of uh, quality on the cross. And Bogle's been brilliant so far. It wasn't all plain sailing in that first half, though. I mean, both before the opener and after it, West Brom had a couple of really great chances. Murphy got in behind but put it wide, and Gale missed winning space from about eight yards out from a chance that you definitely expect him to be taking. But to be honest, that's the way that we play. We're always going to concede chances, aren't we? Yeah, and that's perhaps the danger with uh, with Keogh sort of not quite fit, uh, perhaps after coming off um, or of having an injury against Swansea. Um, Murphy, as a good turn, had a lot of space there um, and then put it wide. I couldn't believe he missed that. And I was just shouting at the Derby defence yeah. for the Gale chance. Like the ball going down the line, everyone switched off they from all the free off. kick. Um, and then the, the ball goes across and I'm thinking goal. And thankfully Dwight Gale does what he doesn't do very often and put it wide. I mean, we'll come on to the second half in a minute, but it does feel that and maybe we've used all our luck now. Maybe maybe it will go back to uh, status quo for the playoffs. But for the last two months, yes, we have played a lot better, but we've had a lot of things go our way. And chances like that just go in the other side of the post in this, in that run between kind of January and March, that would have probably gone back at, bang in the back of the net. But yeah, that's true. But all teams have their luck. I mean, if you look at Norwich, they're deservedly champions this year. But how many times have they come from behind in the last five minutes to win a game or even been drawing and winning a game? You make your own luck when you go forward and when you, you put teams under pressure. And yes, OK, Derby conceded those two chances in that first half. But you've got to, you've got to take the chances that you go forward. And if, if they don't take the chances and West Brom didn't, they paid for that. And that's why Derby came away with the three points. We've uh, we've both and and Chris as well have expressed our surprise this season that Keogh and Tamori were were kind of the only choices apparently for for player of the season considering the problems we've had at the back, and I was really surprised to see both of them well um, Tamori make the Swansea game first of all and then Keogh make this match both having their quite serious injury scares in the preceding games. Keogh mentioned after the game that he was touch and go even hours before the match, uh, but he's finished the season as the only Derby player to have played every minute of all. Well, that's not quite right because he didn't play in the second half of the Swansea match because he did come off, but he started every game for Derby this season. How how would you rate his and Tamori's performance in that match considering the injuries they've had? Uh, do you know what I liked about? Um, I know we're going to talk about the second half in a bit, but. Um... I thought we controlled the game in the second half and we gave nothing away. I don't think Roos touched it from the moment we conceded in what, the 47th, 48th minute till about the 80th minute when he received a back pass. Um, and that was because Keogh and Tamori like, marshalling that and we had good positional shape um, and good defensive shape and much better from, from the moment that we uh, conceded. In the first half, I thought they defended well, but Tamori, again, still giving the ball away uh, a couple of times. He tried a little drag back and lost the ball yeah. uh, down the left back, back position. But I thought Keogh, that sort of comment of him touch and go it epitomizes what Keo's about because he is an absolute monster of a man like he wants to go he'll run through brick walls for you he may not be the best defender he may make mistakes and we all know that but you know you've got a committed bloke in that side when Keo's in there and he and that derby team at the moment is better for him being in it 
it is better for him being in. I also thought that um, Dwayne Holmes being in the team made a difference again, just on the turn getting forward. He did definitely did start a bit sloppy. I made a comment about fifteen about fifteen minutes in on the WhatsApp group that Holmes looked a bit off it. He got caught in possession. He misplaced a couple of passes, but then he really grew into that first half. And it was actually him that released uh, Jaden Bogle, and he really looked threatening on the break again. He, he, gives, he gives us quite an extra dimension. I think he's just a bit more direct than Wilson and Mount are. Yeah, I think so. And the comment that I I think about Holmes is that he's the one that breaks the line. So he'll go from midfield to join the forwards and sometimes he's on the left wing, sometimes he's on the right wing. Um, and that's what Holmes is all about. Johnson didn't, he sort of stuck in the middle. And I thought, I have to say, Johnson was having a bit of a nightmare in that first half. He kept giving the ball away. He was very slow uh, and sloppy in possession. Um, Kutch, you were saying something about him in the WhatsApp group yesterday. Yeah, I thought that I thought he, he had a classic Johnson performance. Like one moment he'd give the ball away or he'd dawdle on it too long and get caught in possession in a really dangerous area because the position that he plays, if you give the ball away, you kind of they're onto your defence straight away because he's playing as the deepest midfielder. But he also then had moments where he was spraying great balls like Huddleston-esque. And for me, that just sums up Bradley Johnson. He's, he's not just inconsistent between matches, he's inconsistent in matches. You know, it's one minute he's playing a great, a great cross-field ball or he's breaking up the play really well and the next moment he's doing the really simple things badly. It's um, it's a real difficult decision we've got with Bradley Johnson being out of contract in the summer. Um, he obviously is, is liked by Lampard at the moment and fits into that team, but I do feel there's an upgrade there because there are too many sort of sloppy mistakes and sort of um, sort of stupid errors which which he needs to atone for and needs to clear them up, but he's not at the moment. Well, he's de- there's definitely an upgrade for the money that he's on. That, that's for sure. Um, if you want to spend the same amount of money we're giving him now, then we could definitely get a better player and a younger player and a player more suited to that position. I think with Johnson, what you say about um, him kind of making mistakes and not clearing up is is, is is kind of, I think, reflective of the fact that that isn't actually not his position. He's kind of in that mid-career transition mode where he's going from a more attacking box-to-box midfielder who gets goals to now trying to withdraw and become a defensive midfielder. And that's a tough job to kind of learn on the job in the championship. He's a he's almost a square peg in a round hole, I'd say, at that, at that point. But the second half then started really badly. Now, we mentioned the two chances in the first half for Murphy and Gale, and it came from Derby sitting off them. And it just seemed a bit passive to begin yeah. with. Um, and I just don't think Derby pressed the cross that came into the box. I'm not sure who from. Uh, and the finish, fine. Great finish. But there's six or seven Derby players around him. Well, basically, both sides of the defence failed to press because it was the, the ball. Um, I can't remember who it was who won the ball on the left and, and got out the Derby defence. And they all stood off him as he passed the ball to the edge of the box. So the other side to then smash it into the back of the net. So it was both full-backs were stepping off. And actually, Lawrence, who had such a brilliant game and will come on to him, was also kind of a bit guilty of not pressing in that situation as well. How did you feel about Derby's reaction to that? Um, I thought it was great because the the point that um, as you were saying, just going back to your your comment on the press, I think that really needs to come from the centre halves. And we just said about Keogh and Tamori, and I thought in the second half we controlled the game because we pressed West Brom higher up the pitch. And there was obviously something that said, right, we sat off them and we've let them have that moment. Let's get up there because if we put pressure on that West Brom team, uh, we're going to create chances. And from the reaction, even though, as I said at the beginning of the pod, 65 minutes I didn't think we were going to do it I just thought it's going to be one of those days um, but you noticed that Derby were, were much higher up the pitch uh, squeezing the space winning the ball back higher up the pitch and not letting West Brom out and that came from from two centre-backs and I thought the reaction to the goal um, was exactly what you'd want from a football team going be, uh, going behind or conceding a goal so excellent response from Derby they, they didn't panic did they they didn't panic at all like they they basically 
got the ball down and they went back to basics. And yeah, there was a bit of playing it about at the back, but you can kind of tell that they were biding their time, they were assessing the situation, seeing what West Brom have got, and then they gradually played their way back into it and then started creating, to be honest, chance after chance. And although I was never confident the goal would come, we were creating chances that suggested that we would create more chances and, and, a, and a goal would come. And I think what was brilliant about <clears throat> what was brilliant about the the Mason Bennett goal was that he actually was so unselfish in the build up to it. There was kind of freedom for on goal. He plays it to Lawrence, who's got a bit of a better angle, a bit of a better position. Lawrence hits it straight down the keeper's throat, and it eventually falls to Bennett to, to poke into the back of the net. So I thought Bennett really got where he deserved there. Yeah, it's, it, again, it was the having the players in the box. There were p- people lining up for that uh, that opportunity, and it was a just a great sort of pressing goal and um, almost reminded me a bit of the uh, Lionel Messi second, uh, first goal sorry against uh, against Liverpool in the week the fact that it was fortunate with the way the ball bobbled around the box but Messi had the composure Mason Bennett similar player Mason Messi Mason Messi composure to just took that in, tuck it in the bottom corner and it was absolutely brilliant scenes in front of the, uh, the south stand and I love the fact that he uh, tried his best to do a Balotelli impression and have a problem with his shirt or, or whatever as he tried <laughs> to celebrate that, that impression. <laughs> I was a bit annoyed at Bennett because, and this is this is definitely nitpicking and it's hindsight, of course, but one, it took him about 25 minutes to get his shirt off, which was embarrassing for everyone involved. And I kind of felt like when he was trying to do it and failing, did he not realise at that point, actually, let's keep the shirt on, let's not get a yellow card, because in five minutes' time, I might need to track back down the right wing and might need to make a foul which is what he should have done. And he almost conceded a really good chance straight after that game because Bennett couldn't bring the man down because he'd been booked and he would have been sent off. And I was screaming at television being like, that's why you don't take your shirt off. I know you're delighted. I know you love Derby County, but please keep your shirt on. Don't get booked and use the yellow card for something a little bit more important. I mean, if you had a rig like Mason Bennett... (laughs) Or I'd be cro- taking my shirt off all the time. Or a crop top, like Mason Bennett's. <laughs> They're the uh, stats thing, aren't they? They monitor your heart. Yeah, Lionel, Lionel Bennett's crop top. Uh, <laughs> it's a new name for a new Derby Country podcast coming soon. No, not, not of course not. Um, Nugent came on for Waghorn in the first half. Uh, we, we obviously have just mentioned how much of an impact Mason Bennett made. I'm sure lots of fans kind of raised their eyebrows at, at Nugent coming on for Waghorn rather than Marriott or even rather than Bennett was that a surprise to you? Uh, yeah I'm still surprised by it I think uh, Nugent was probably gone last season uh, I can't remember the last time he scored a goal um, even when he had a shot in the second half he had good technique to hit it on the half volley it was a even though he struck it well it was just a comfortable save and you know just he's, he's obviously legs are gone and I was surprised I mean he ran all right but he doesn't really offer anything anymore and I think um, I'd have much preferred to have seen Marriott or perhaps Bennett on earlier uh, in so, that central position yeah so I, I definitely agree I would like to have seen Marriott come on Lampard's justification for it after the match when he was asked by BBC Radio Derby I believe was that he felt that we were we had quite a small team out particularly with Holmes in there and one, Waghorn one of his roles is actually being one of the bigger men defending from set pieces and creating a bit more physicality and he just felt that bringing um, Jack Marriott on rather than David Nugent who can put himself about he can be a defensive weapon and an attacking weapon from set pieces would just keep that balance there. So I can see that maybe there's a bigger tactical picture in play. And of course, I'm sure if the goal hadn't come in the 60th minute or 65th minute, whenever it was, uh, Jack Marriott would have come on as well. So, What does it say, though, about Marriott? Because we talked about him last week and there were sort of questions over him uh, in training. And again, we said we don't know what the, the deal is, but Lampard came out quite publicly. Um, what does that say about Marriott's like future at Derby potentially well we don't know obviously he's not 
Frank Lampard's first choice right now, is he? Martin Waghorn is, and, and deservedly so. I don't think anyone would disagree that Martin Waghorn shouldn't be leading the line right now for Derby County. Marriott's got to bide his time. He's still young. He's still new to this division. Um, he's had. He's shown that he can do it. Can he do it over a full season? I'm sure he'll be... Well, my opinion is I'm sure he'll be here next season. I don't think there's been a, a major falling out. If there was, he probably wouldn't be even on the bench. Um, I think he's just got competition for places. And you know what? If you're going to play one up front, you want two top quality forwards batting it out for that position. Perfect. So I think uh, Marriott perhaps uh, scoring the winner in the playoff semi-final. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a weapon he's going to be to bring off the bench in the playoff semi-finals or, or dare we say it, in the final. Um, <laughs> but after that goal, after that Mason Bennett goal and the crop top moment, Tom Lawrence won a penalty. Now, lots of debate on this. I think most Derby County fans seem to believe it was a penalty before we get onto that what a run from Tom Lawrence oh, he's a I can't count the amount of players that he's uh he skips past there but he just sort of slaloms left and right and then left again driving into the box with real pace the the West Brom players are backing off from him um and it was just it was real out your seat stuff and that's the quality that Tom Lawrence does bring uh, and we don't see often enough but I said in the last pod we want to see this for a consistent run of games he was brilliant yesterday, I thought. It's one of the best performances, if not uh, Lawrence's best performance in a Derby shirt. I thought the second half performance was, was more around his attacking play, which is so brilliant. But in the first half, and we talked about it last time because Lampard picked him out and said that he does do a lot of work off the ball, which, which we don't always see and don't always realise. I tell you what, that first half, particularly, he really worked hard to, to help out Malone at left back. He was tracking back, he was making tackles, he was making blocks, he was making interceptions. I thought that, for me, that was definitely Tom Lawrence's best all-round game. And I'd, I'd be, I'd also be tempted to say he was probably man in the match yesterday for Derby County. Um, and so hopefully, let's hope that form continues. The penalty, was it a penalty for you? I mean, I thought it was. I mean, it's that ridiculous thing. Um, I'd hate to have conceded that. And I'd be like fuming as a Derby fan uh, conceding that penalty. But as soon as the player goes to ground in the box, he's out of control of it. Um Lawrence is going through. He's obviously off balance because he's he's gone left and right. There is some contact on that on that left foot, which the commentators initially didn't didn't see. I thought straight away it was a uh, there was contact. Um, I thought it was more contact on first viewing than than what it was. They then came back to it about ten minutes later and like, oh, it's not enough contact. Doesn't matter how much contact there is. There's no law which says it needs to be clear contact. It says the law says that it's a trip or an attempt to trip. He's put his his leg in the way of where Lawrence is gonna step. He's therefore impeded his progress. He goes down penalty. I don't think it was a dive. I think there probably was just enough contact for it. I think he was running, as you said, he was running that fast and he was slaloming. He's probably probably not off balance because he's obviously got a lot of very good balance, but he was he was on the turn. And someone that, as someone that used to do a lot of judo, and this sounds a bit weird, but like if you're like transferring weight from one side to the other, that's when you're most susceptible. So any kind of touch, is, is that's what's going to take you down. Well, if Lawrence has got his foot up in the air, his left foot, and this player comes in and slides... It, that that left foot was making a, a movement towards being put towards the floor so he could then set himself to to strike into the goal. Um, if that player doesn't slide in there, Lawrence has beaten him and Lawrence takes a strike at goal. Um, therefore, I think it's it's the defender's fault. The defender's stupid for for lunging in there, not getting anywhere near the ball, stay on your feet and try and, try and shield them out. Um, but Lawrence's skill and his trickery and his pace there completely did it and he won that penalty. I, I totally understand the the counter argument of the fact that it it's a soft one and there's not not a lot of contact in there. And I know that if it was the other way around, I'd be fuming about it and thinking that he should have stayed in his feet. But equally, I think and I would like to think that I'd be hammering Keo or Tomori or whoever it was for going to ground in the box and giving the referee an option there. Um, so I think thoroughly deserved penalty. Um, 
and I thought Lawrence was excellent just to reiterate that yeah he was absolutely and just lastly before we come on to some of your tweets and Facebook comments Craig Brighton seemed to have a little bit a little bit of fun on Twitter after the game saying thank you DTFC official with a black heart suggesting possibly that he was on his way out he then tweeted about an hour later um, with a little asterisk saying for the reception because obviously the Derby County fans serenaded him a lot after the match when the players are doing their round of the pitch it does seem like he's probably played his last game for Derby I'm sure we'll save a full eulogy for the end of season pod but just quickly how would we how would you remember Craig Bryson in three words put you on the spot Forest goals celebrations Haggis Jaeger Hattricks <laughs> is Hattricks a word or is it two words yeah it's, a word. it's definitely a word <laughs> what a player he's been and a fantastic servant and it's a shame that he's um, he's up being on the downward side but I wish him all the best in the future um, and he's a sort of player that I could imagine the away game at, at Leeds in the playoffs he may well be in the away end I think Craig Bryson definitely deserves a permanent framed photo in the Ramshack I'm sure we can sort that out I'm sure we can see. fit him in alongside Jamie Hansen yeah probably let's see if Jamie Hansen gets his elbows down so uh, after the game we asked you for your five word reviews of the match we've had some uh, great ones on Twitter and on Facebook so Jaden Winston said on Facebook Mason Bennett is our hero uh, Jack said on Twitter uh, strong professional Tom Lawrence brilliant and Mark Andrew Coote also recognised our left winger Tom Lawrence we all knew and uh, also on Twitter, uh, John, the Texas Ram, says Lampard instilled backbone and belief. And Simon Stinton said that was truly rather ramtastic. And then finally from Twitter, uh, Frank Lampard's Ryan Burton, my throat is really sore and I'm not surprised after yesterday. Fantastic atmosphere from uh, all sides of the ground. Uh, and let's hope we get Pride Park rocking again on Saturday. Yeah, I thought the match, I thought the atmosphere after the match uh, was amazing. Sky Sports was still there about half an hour on and there's still probably 25,000 Derby fans in the stadium. And, and, the, and the players and manager were absolutely loving it. And let's hope that sends them into the playoffs in good spirits. Stick with us after the break when we will be hearing from Gary from the Leeds United podcast Talking Shut and we'll also preview that mouthwatering two-leg tie against that lot from up at Ellen Road. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Steve Bloomer's Washing is sponsored by Derby Brewing Company with three great bruisers around the city including The Tap which is just a short walking distance from Pride Park and I'm sure we'll be there on Saturday in preparation for the massive first leg of the playoffs against Leeds. I would have thought so. We'll see you there. So before we get into Tom and I's thoughts ahead of the semi-finals we spoke to Gary from the Leeds United podcast Talking Shut. Gary, obviously it's been a stuttering end to the season for you. What's the current mood like among the Leeds United fans? Um, a little bit indifferent, if I'm honest. Um, obviously, we was well in for a shout for automatic, and then defeats to Wigan and Brentford put pay to that. Um, we saw a little bit of a bounce back in a in a fairly um, controversial ridden game against Villa, uh, but then a, a disappointing defeat yesterday to already relegated Ipswich. So, um, although we know there's a performance in there at, at Leeds, we, we haven't seen it uh, as much as we'd like in the previous five games. So, I think it's a little bit indifferent at the minute. You've been uh, credited with a high-tempo pressing game, which was so effective earlier in the season. I remember watching Leeds and being so impressed with them at Pride Park in August. Um, is it possible that Leeds have burnt out, or is that wishful thinking? Uh, that's been mentioned quite a bit, to be honest, but um, having been to the majority of the home games today, I think physically uh, burnout, I think it, it, it's just it's not even in, in, in the question. Um, you know, you're still seeing the lads absolutely running the nuts off 
uh, right up into the 92nd, 93rd minutes, and that's testament to you know quite a few late goals which God, I think there's only Norwich who've scored more late goals than us. So um, no, I think that's kind of come uh, with Marcelo Bielsa that you know his team burn out. I think if, if there's any burnout to be pointed at Leeds, it, it might be a mental thing. Um, Rather than a physical thing, because physically I think we still look as strong as we did do, you know, in them early early weeks of the season. So no, I don't think the burnout from from a physical point of view, but I could certainly see uh, from a mental aspect. Sure. So I saw that um, Kemar Roof is now back from. Um, sorry, I'm going to start that again. I wasn't talking to the microphone. <clears throat> So uh, I saw Kimar Roof is now back from injury. I'd be interested to see how he's looking. Obviously, Patrick Bamford is uh, suspended for the first leg. Are they the biggest problems the, the team face, or what's your what's your take on the, the state of the team? Um, yeah, we, we, we've struggled really with injuries from our from our striking pair. Really, if you if you like Roof and Bamford, um, Roof set off flying. I think he, he ran off to fourteen goals, and then he got an injury and. He's never really looked quite as sharp as he did after that, but in fairness to him, he's only just starting to come back. Uh, Bamford's got a very freak PCL injury, he crashed into an Audin playing for the under-23s, and he got an injury that you basically get if you're in, involved in a car accident. <laughs> um, so he was out for a long period of time, and then he came back and he, he got quite a few goals, but he has been um, it has been a criticism of him in recent weeks that he's a little bit wasteful with his chances. He um, can definitely, lad can definitely finish, but I think it's I think the fact that he's missed so many big parts of the season that he's struggling to kind of find his form. Um, he's a little bit of criticism from the fans as well in some of his performances. So, uh, so yeah, at the minute, um, scoring goals for Leeds is a bit of an issue. Um, if it's front two are not firing, there don't appear to be, although we saw Mateus Click score yesterday, there don't appear to be many goals anywhere else in the team at the minute. It appears to be to be kind of drying up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it is a bit of a worry going into a playoff campaign, to be honest. Your, your comments on Bamford there sound very familiar to Derby fans. He was very frustrating when he was on loan at Derby, but clearly a quality player. Um, obviously, you mentioned that you've had defeats to the likes of Wigan and obviously Ipswich yesterday, uh, Brentford recently. What are the main weaknesses then in that Leeds team that maybe Derby could exploit over the next couple of weeks? I think uh, with regards to the Wigan and the Ipswich game yesterday, um, although Marcelo Bielsa, you know, he, he gets 100% out of his players and he makes sure that they work hard, I think a little bit was a little bit of complacency, particularly the Wigan game. We, we went one up and uh, they were down to 10 men and it kind of felt there was an air of, yeah, it'll just happen now, you know, we'll just... You know, we'll stop doing all the things that we do really well because you know they've only got ten men and, and we were already one 0 up. So it'll just happen. And then they caught us on the counter twice, and, and that was the end of the game, really. And then Brentford was certainly a Wigan hangover, um, a, a pretty poor refereeing display, if I'm honest, in the early stages of the game, which probably could have changed it uh, sort of another way. But um, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's a bit of a funny, funny time at the moment at Leeds, if I'm honest, um, because. It, it absolutely wouldn't surprise me if we saw the leads that we saw against West Brom and the leads that we saw against um, yourselves um, at Pride Park just just suddenly reappear again because that's the way it has been this season. Mm, yeah, I think that's what we're concerned about. But almost sometimes with teams going to playoffs, it is a bit of a reset. I remember back in, the, in our Billy Davis promotion season where we kind of we were right up there for top two and we, we just missed out. But then you know, but he got them back back on track and, and back playing the way that they were earlier in the season. So that's definitely the concern for us because there is a very good team in that in that Leeds United side. We're just obviously hoping that they're not gonna they're not gonna come out. Um, but obviously, Gary, we couldn't uh, chat to you without mentioning the S word. I do apologise. <laughs> so. How much of an impact do you think the fallout from that has had on the second half of your season, if at all? If I'm honest, 
I don't think it has from a Leeds perspective, from sort of inside the camp, from 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 the fans at Ellen Road. I think there was a lot of frustration around how long it took to sort of decide on what they were going to sort of be the punishment or um, you know or the fallout from it. I think that that was a, a definite um, sort of. Um, annoyance from from within the club that it took so long to try and sort it out and realistically you know whether you look at it one way or another um, there was no rules broke broken so why it took that long to come to a conclusion and why it was such an hefty fine is is the bit that sort of uh, sticks in the throat a little bit but from a performance point of view I don't think it had a massive effect if I'm really honest um, I just yeah it's just one of the things it's just it's Leeds United it's not a surprise these things just don't surprise us as fans <laughs> anymore um, you know we've had we've had enough of Torrid ownership for 15 years that you know nothing's nothing's a surprise uh, obviously it weren't related to the ownership in this case but you know it's just it's just not a surprise Were you uh, were you surprised at Bielsa's reaction in the press conference yesterday do you think that's made it a bigger story than it would have been this week for me it was always going to dominate this week whatever happened yeah, I mean, I know when it got confirmed we were playing Derby yesterday, there was a mention in, uh, in the rest of the guys' WhatsApp group, we're talking shut, that, you know, it'll get all dug back up again. And um, it's been discussed and discussed and analysed. And, you know, some people sit on one side, some people sit yeah. on the other. Um, but I think Bielsa, from what we know of him, because, you know, now we've all sort of bought into the Bielsa way and we look at his past and things like that, he's very uh, sort of humble, um, straight-laced guy. And he doesn't, he doesn't like people sort of questioning his character if you like and he's basically turned around and said look I was wrong to send somebody to spy uh, here's why I did it I appreciate now that it's wrong I won't do it again and he kind of wants to just draw a line under it and if, if I'm really honest I thought it was pretty poor journalism from the guy to sort of dig it back up again it was a, it was a bit of a dig if I'm honest um, as opposed to a genuine question yeah, I, I I sort of agree. Having watched it, and obviously being a Derby fan, it's never nice to have been on the end of that sort of spygate. But I did think it was a bit of a storm in the teacup. Like people watch and they try and find out about tactics and information. You go to watch games and stuff. Like it did seem a bit ridiculous, and I thought the uh, the fine was quite harsh uh, on the yeah. on the Leeds uh, Leeds United. So um, interesting point. Just on Bielsa, he's obviously a massive legend in, in the game, and he's a, a really big sort of big manager to be managing in the Championship. Is there any worry that if you don't get promoted this year, Bielsa may be gone? I think, to be honest, is there could even be a worry if we did get promoted that he could be gone because he is that type of character that, you know, if he's not happy with the way something's going, if he's not seeing things delivered that he's been promised, then he'll leave. And we've seen it before. He left Lazio, I think, after two days. And I think uh, uh, Marseille, I think he lasted a season and a game uh, of the following season, then he left. So, um, yeah, he is a bit of a concern at the moment. Um, however, the noise is coming out from Bielsa and sort of his people I know his brother's spoken about it recently are, are positive ones um, but he's also said things as such as you know this this lead, currently United team we've got again wouldn't be able to repeat what they've done this year basically saying you know they're playing sort of to the full full capacity if you like a little bit so I think either way whether we do go up or don't go up this year it's going to be an interesting summer at Ellen Road I think a lot, a lot of changes potentially from the playing staff and you know, maybe even Marcelo Bielsa, but at the minute, from the things that are coming out, it does sound quite positive that he'll take up his extra year extension that Leeds have got the um, off uh, sort of um, can can give him another year like. So uh, I presume we'll be down at Pride Park on Saturday. Uh, no, I'm not actually going to Pride Park on Saturday. I've uh, I've got my son, so I'll be uh, I'll be watching it via Sky Sports Leeds uh, instead. Yeah, to be honest, I think it'll be tight games. I think it'll be a lot different um, to the two games we had before. Um, I don't expect. Uh, Frank, I'll not give his nickname that Leeds fans have given him. Um, I don't expect him to try and fight fire with fire this time. Um, 
I expect him to try and be a, a little bit more sort of sort of clever in his approach a little bit. But uh, no, I think either way, it'll be it'll be good games. Uh, two good football insides who like to play football the right way. I mean, no disrespect to Middlesbrough, but I think if either of us had got Middlesbrough, it would have been a little bit different um, and not probably not a great spectacle. Um, so yeah, I think two tight games. Um, I could see it going either way, to be honest. It depends which Leeds United team turn up and I suppose which Derby team turn up as well. So, surprisingly, we're actually now the form team from the playoff sides. Uh, obviously, Aston Villa also in very good form themselves, whereas Leeds have ended the season on that devastating slump, one point in their last four, culminating in a defeat to bottom club Ipswich on the final day. How much of an effect do you think that's going to have on this semi-final, Tom? I think the uh, defeat to Ipswich, maybe not so much, but the form, uh, I still think that's a. I think it's going to have a big effect. The the confidence around Derby at the moment is uh, is really positive. You saw that from uh, the reaction on Sunday. I think the fans are behind Lampard. Obviously, Lampard's a, a very popular figure at, at Derby. A lot of the players are just starting to play their way into uh, form. Waghorn started to score the goals, and hopefully he's fit for the weekend. Um, and like Bennett's looking dangerous. Lawrence, as we talked about, looking dangerous. Um, and Leeds have got problems at the moment, especially up front. Uh, as Gary sort of alluded to, without Roof and Bamford scoring goals, um, their goals don't come, and they're not sort of a, they're not sort of a free flowing or goals coming from all over the place. Um, we've got four players who scored ten or more goals this season, and that's Derby's danger. There isn't one man who does, takes the burden on there. That's true, and, and obviously Lawrence is in form, and he's scored goals recently. Wilson keeps scoring goals recently. Mount's still scoring goals, and Marriott we know can get a goal out of nowhere. And Wagon, of course, is in good form if he's fit, and we hope he is because I think he'll be a big help for us on Saturday. I mentioned it after the Brentford game as well, but for me, we're a different team this last two months, and it's not so much about the quality in the final third; it's the battle we're showing. We're winning the ball. We're winning tackles we're getting in amongst it we're not afraid to put ourselves about and be a bit nasty and we weren't like that when we played Leeds particularly in the Ellen Rome game we were so passive earlier in the season and I just I can just imagine Pride Park was it 5 5 30 p.m kickoff it's gonna be absolutely bouncing of course it is and the players are gonna be should be well up for it yeah definitely I, th- I think there was some uh, some probably serious words after the Villa game uh, at the beginning of March because uh, Derby were battered that day 4-0 and um, they were frank- frankly they were appalling it's one of the worst performances I've seen but since then there's been a lot more positives there's still things to work on with defensive mistakes at Birmingham City they're conceding three at, at Brentford but the the desire and the drive uh, to, to keep teams out has been much improved that Bristol City game I said before that we need our tin hats on and we definitely did have them then uh, and the determination to come back when I actually thought that Derby team was going to fold on Sunday. I, I didn't think we were going to do it, but for the last 25 minutes, it was fantastic stuff and the control that we had was brilliant. So if Derby get themselves ahead on, on Saturday, uh, I'm very confident that we can go with a victory to Ellen Road and I'm very confident that we can hold Leeds out. That Ellen Road crowd will be nervous if we get get a result on Saturday. So Bielsa did say that he believed their end-of-season form won't affect them going into the playoffs. He said, Today's performance is an accident. We're going to forget it right now. From tomorrow, we'll be focused on the next game. I don't ignore what happened, but I know that our team is not described by this game or the result. Well, of course he's going to say that. I mean, he's not going to come out and say, oh yeah, this is exactly what the Leeds United team's all about. Um, he's, of course, going to try and say that this is an accident. It doesn't happen and it's... Uh, 
not a real sort of example of it. If we look back at some of the Derby results, the Aston Villa game was not a real example of Derby County, but it happened and it keeps happening for Leeds. Since they uh, beat Reading away from home, uh, 3-0 on the 12th of March, Leeds have only won three games, one of which was against Millwall, which they scored twice in the last five minutes, uh, the other two being up against uh, Preston away and, and Sheffield Wednesday. They've lost three of their last four um, to teams which you wouldn't expect them to be losing against. Wigan at home, obviously Ipswich away, uh, and then obviously Brentford too. Like That Leeds, that Leeds form is going to be a concern for Bielsa. Um, what's happening at that club in terms of the, the forward men, uh, Roof and Bamford uh, either not fit or not available for that first leg Derby should be confident that we can keep them out keep a clean sheet and go to Ellen Road with a goal or two goal lead Yeah for me it's all about that first game because I think with this Derby team because of everything that's gone on with, with, with Leeds including Spygate and losing to them both home and away there could be something about, about a mental block if we could get a great performance and more importantly a great result whether it's a one goal or two goal lead that will give us that will give that team so much confidence going into the second leg. We've also won some away games recently, or, or won the away game against Bristol City. We've beaten Bristol City, who were just below us going for playoffs. We've just beaten West Brom and done a double over them. They're in the playoffs, so the team has got recent experience of beating teams in and around them, and who are playing good football. For me, it's all about getting in amongst them, getting into leads quickly, telling them they're in a game, showing them it's a different game to what they've had against at Derby this season, and it's a different Derby County turning up, and it'll be a real febrile atmosphere at Pride Park. Definitely looking forward to it. And um, in Chris's absence, he uh, he's still been able to do some research, but not able to join us. He uh, he sent over some stuff which Ander Herrera uh, said when he joined uh, Atletico Bilbao under Marcelo Bielsa. And Bielsa was obviously a huge influence on him, telling him to get on with things, not complain to the ref and play his football. Um, but he did say that in the sort of running. Um, it wasn't the physical side, which Gary actually mentioned in the uh, conversation we had from there, the mental side. It was the brain saying that the legs, like not telling telling the, the legs to do what they were previously doing, not the passes were going astray. And the fact that when someone went past you, it was like, oh, it's disappointing. I, I now can't get back. And it was a real negative thing, which the players had. Um, and lots of them, according to Herrera, um, had those problems in that point. So hopefully Derby get onto a positive start get into that lead side and and start making them doubt what they can do. Um, the mental and the physical strain that Leeds have gone through in their, their sort of high press and entertaining stuff that they've played this year, hopefully Derby will be able to prey on that and get a good lead. Yeah, for me, I am concerned that they will press the reset button, as I, as I mentioned to Gary. Um, I think there's no doubt that this season and the way that Leeds have played and the emotion that Bielsa makes them play with will have, will have taken their toll. They have really long, like all day training sessions, which I actually like to hear because I think more clubs should be doing that. They should be working their players harder for the money that they are paid and they stay over at the ground more often. They're away from their families more often. That would definitely have taken a toll. However, Bielsa surely now will be saying to them, you've just got three more games to do it. You've just got three more weeks of this and then we're in the Premier League. And that's what worries me. I think I do think we will see a different Leeds turn up on Saturday, but I do also think we're going to see a very different derby from what they've encountered this season. Prediction? I keep saying that derby can do this and take uh, a positive lead. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 to derby for Saturday. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game and hopefully we can uh, we can pick out a draw, one all and then win 3-2 on aggregate. I think it's more hope and expectation, but I think we will take a 2-0 lead to Ellen Road. I think it's going to be one of the most amazing nights at Pride Park. Whether we can convert that into a win over the tie is a conversation for the second leg of this podcast. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tom, for joining me in your own kitchen. Yeah, thanks very much. (laughs) 
<laughs> and uh, thank you, uh, Chris, for sending us over all your preparation work as usual. And we look forward to seeing you all at Pride Park and on the other side, up the ramps. Thank you.